TACTA is a one-page, one-piece flow schedule that focuses on throughput and bottlenecks, allowing you to clear the work in front of you, and is the most efficient scheduling tool for the industry of construction for master scheduling, look ahead. And if you really want to do it well, uh, you'll pair it with either Last Planner or better yet, Scrum. Oh, Spencer, yes. You said there the magic is. words. That is amazing. <laughs> yes. If I don't say Scrum, Felipe will, will jab me after. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, every time we should, we'll get points every time we say Scrum attacked. So that'll you be know, good. The, the funny thing is uh, at uh, Elevate Construction and Lean Tact, we, we do more Scrum than we do tact planning because everything we do is on some sort of Scrum board, honestly. And, uh, and yeah. e even, even though tact planning is, is going to change the construction industry, Scrum should be the, the first weapon of choice to, get, to getting things done. When we do tact planning, and we want to be looking ahead and clearing uh, any roadblocks or things that would stop the work from being able to flow. We use Scrum to do that. Uh, we, we use visual systems in Scrum to help to, uh, help to make the TAC plan actually be able to come to life in the field. It's one thing to put something on paper and put it on a wall or print like a 50-page CPM schedule and give it to people. That's one thing. But then actually going in the field and making flow happen and scrum is integral to making that work. Oh, my, <laughs> my heart is singing. Thank you so much, Spencer. And right, just a shout out. If anyone hasn't picked up the construction scrum book, you, this is a must read everyone that is going through either a university or starting their career in construction. This should be your first book followed uh, by a slew of others. There's so much, uh, reading and different things uh, that we have available to us now. And because of the work that, that you've done and all these others that have come before us, we now are starting to have a library of really, really great information for us. And there's more coming. So welcome to the EBFC show, the easier, better for construction podcast. I'm your host, Felipe Engineer Manriquez. This show is all about the business of construction. Today's episode is sponsored by Bosch Refine My Site is a cloud-based construction collaboration platform that applies lean principles to enable your entire team to plan, communicate, and execute in real time. It's the digital tool that works in tandem with your last planner system process and puts it all together in one simple collaborative ecosystem system. This easy-to-use platform is available in English, German, Spanish, Portuguese, and French and can be used on desktops, tablets, and mobile devices. According to Spencer Easton, Scheduling Manager at Oakland Construction, Refine My Site, in my opinion, is the best, leanest tool on the market for the last planet. Here's what our users have to say. We've looked at three other digital scheduling platforms and none compare to the straightforward approach Refund My Site takes. From milestone planning all the way down to daily tasks, this program gives every general contractor and their trade partners meaningful collaboration, accountability, and KPIs. Register today to try Refund My Site for free for 60 days. Today's show is also sponsored by the Lean Construction Institute. LCI is working to lead the building industry in transforming its practices and culture. Its vision is to create a healthy and thriving industry that delivers outstanding project outcomes 
every time for everyone. Check the show notes for more information. Now, to the show. Welcome to the show, Spencer Easton. Spencer, oh my God, we've shared so many car rides together. We've been like <laughs> shoulder to shoulder, like tight, super Squished. tight, squished together in a car. I mean, we've flown, we've traveled, we've tacked it together, we've trained. I've uh, benefited from your tutelage on, on video editing, on great conversations on scheduling. Thank you. And I started uh, in the trades, a laborer at first. So I wasn't even really a tradesman. I was uh, uh, pushing a broom or with a shovel, just doing random things here and there while I was um, in high school. And when I graduated, I started on a concrete crew and kind of traveled the world a little bit. And uh, after a few years of that, uh, I decided that that what I didn't want to do that anymore. <laughs> and I was in the, uh, in the um, train yard. I forget what it's called. It's off of church street. If I remember correctly. Right. So I was sitting there in a port of John trains go around me blaring. I had to have like all the certification and stuff. And I was sitting there and there was no toilet paper in that port of John. And I was sitting there, there was no place to wash my hands. And I was, it was so hot. And I just remember thinking, I, I want to use my brain now. I'm done using my body. I'm done. This is, I hate this. This is stupid. I don't want to be treated like an animal. Like I'm done with this. So like that day I went home, I went back to the hotel and I started like looking up, uh, you know, colleges back at my hometown. And I started figuring out how do I get back to Utah? And I want to go back to school, like screw this. So, um, I went back to, to school and I, I had never done well in school, but I had now had an incentive. I was like, I'm done. Right. I, want, I want to use my brain. I was trying all sorts of uh, different classes to figure out what I wanted to be when I, when I grew up. I couldn't land on anything. And so I was like, well, I've done construction my whole life. So I guess I'll go do the construction management degree and I can you know, be more on the office side. Let's do that. So I graduated uh, which, with my bachelor's degree when I was uh, 30. I just wanted to get through, and that was one of the roughest times, uh, working 40, 50-hour work weeks out in the sun, and then going to school for 20 credit hours and all the homework and everything there, and newly married, and children, and, like, it was, it was not a good day. <laughs> like, don't yeah. do what I did, everybody, that was dumb. <laughs> so, yeah, but, um, uh, no, that's a good, it's a good path there, and it shows, like, people that don't know Spencer as well as I do. Spencer has like the biggest heart I've ever seen. And he's also a naturally a teacher. So I think maybe those experiences happening later for you has paved the way for you to be such a great guide, coach, and mentor to people. But I just wanted to give you a shout out because your heart is huge, Spencer, and admirable. And I consider myself, yeah, I consider myself lucky to be your friend. So likewise, it's funny. This this brings scheduling into the into the mix. I was, I was working at a crane company uh, while I was going to school and I got in with them on kind of their dispatch side and started helping run operations. And then ultimately it all kind of landed on my shoulders and I took it over and I, I was figuring out, well, how do, how do we make the system better? And I, I started to like dream of these different things and I hadn't been introduced to lean yet. Hmm. And uh, I was like, I really like this, like figuring out a process and why isn't it working as good and how to improve it? Like those, those things. And and so when I ultimately started learning about link construction, it just rang true to me because I loved that. Like I started like being able to do those types of things and I loved it. Like finding, uh. finding ways to improve things. Like I would, I would get a rush off of it. And I kind of go, I swing like 
too far sometimes and I'll, I'll drop like standard processes or things like if I see there's a way to improve, it's like, I don't care about what I was doing. I'm now doing this. And I, I sometimes go a little bit too fast for folks, but that, uh, that ultimately led me to a job that more aligned with, with my, with my degree, Oakland construction was hiring and I went and interviewed and the gal said, well, from your experience with like dispatch and scheduling and, and all these different things, we have a scheduler position that's open. And I was like, that's a position. I thought the teams just managed their own. That's a position. And she was like, yeah. And she described it to me. I was like, huh. I was like, yeah, I don't have P6 experience. I, I obviously my CPM like coursework it through the, through the degree. Yes. I, I know what CPM is, but right. I've never done that. That's interesting. So I went there I started my, my career as a, as a CPM scheduler. And I quickly found out that in my opinion, it was a waste. And this was even before I, I figured out uh, or I started learning about lean construction. I was like, nobody is looking at this. So why are they paying me to do this when this isn't really what's happening out in the field? And why is, why is there that disparity? And so I, I like, I set off on this journey to like figure this out because I wanted to improve the process. I was like, this isn't working yet. They're paying me a good salary to do this. And it's not working. One is intended or two is we're trying to do it. And so, um, it was, it was a really interesting time. I've been searching and looking for how in the world do we make this better? That yes. same issue is everywhere. Not, and not just in the United States or the, or the clients that we have at Elevate. You and I both have been across the world seeing that these same problems exist everywhere. And that this tool that somehow got hold of a, an entire industry is so embedded and ingrained in, in processes and in contracts and in in an ethos and like everything that we do. And it's crazy because it doesn't work. And uh, the thing that, that goes hand in hand with this is kind of our mentality in the construction industry, which is completely opposite from mine. That's just the way we've always done things, right? right. If there's one thing that we all know, like if, if you say that to people, it rings true. Even if it's not spoken, it's kind of the underlying motto of the construction industry. That's just the way we've always done it. It's technically it's not. We've been doing this since the '60s, right. like standard across all of all of the construction industry mantra of like let's just use CPM and that will work. It really hasn't, and it's it's caused us to decline in a lot of key areas. I I don't have any hard research. I haven't uh, figured this out um, other than my questioning folks when I get to the job sites or when I'm doing schedule updates, and I ask them. What's the biggest issue? Like what's going on? And everyone has this, has the same answer at its core. It all comes back to schedule. It all comes back to schedule. So why, like, I see that the team is stressed out. What's going on? The answers always come back to schedule. I see that we're behind what's going on here. We don't have enough time That's schedule, right? It all comes back right. to that. I hope that we all are aware of the, some of the horrible statistics that our construction industry has in regards to suicide or divorces or alcoholism, these horrible statistics that we have, the number one reason for all of those that I've seen from some of the research is stress. And so if yeah. stress is from the schedule, in my opinion, and I don't have any hard research, like I'm saying, to back this up, the number one reason why we have suicide, alcoholism, divorce, like all of these things in the construction industry is because we have been using a horrible tool that does not work, will never work. And it has to be dropped 
like a bad habit now. It's based on your experiences. I've had very similar experiences. I see the the pressure that critical path method schedules put on teams and on people because of how there's just some assumptions that people rely on. I've heard people say, you know, like if people would just follow the schedule, everything would work great. And in reality, that tool is built for little to no variation. And yeah. anyone who's ever worked, like like you've worked in the hot sun, I've worked in the hot sun. Anyone who's worked in construction anywhere knows that variation is inside of your project 24 seven, 365. It's always there. And sometimes people don't acknowledge it. I mean, a CPM schedule is literally designed to tell you how you're going to miss because it, it builds a sequence or tells you a sequence that if you miss a single day, you delay the entire project. And people think that that's a good idea and they don't. And we even have a negative thing with looking at float in the schedule as well, thinking that, oh, we've got, you know, some activities all the time in the world. And so sometimes people will see, you know, things with big float. I don't want to get super nerdy on here for, for people that aren't into scheduling every day, but Spencer's right. Scheduling touches every part of a job in some way, shape or form. People work due to the planning that goes into the project or the schedule that's used to manage the project. It is the plan. Yeah. It's the plan. Or it's supposed to be the plan. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's the that's the bad news. But I want to come back to the bright side, Spencer, because you're such a shining star. <laughs> Can you talk about some of the projects that you visited and what have you done with tact to uh, to make some positive changes? Uh, the opposite end of the pendulum from CPM, like you were saying, looking at uh, at float or looking at how long until we fail, right? That's staring at the failure. TACT helps you stare at the winning side. How do we produce or how do we, how do we build in a way that gets us into that flow, that, that process where trades just continue on through the work and it works really nice. They make the most money. That's, that's what TACT focuses on. When I first started helping teams, when I was at Oakland, use TACT planning, the number one thing was just the communication. So like you brought up earlier, if they just used the schedule, if they just did this, well, maybe... It's that they don't know how to read it. Okay, well, train them. And you want to train like trade partners and, and yeah. everybody in the world, CPM. It's, it is a complex system. And why don't we spend time in making it more visual? Why don't we spend more time in figuring out how to communicate better instead of a 60-page schedule? Let's give them one dang sheet that has the same amount of information on it. If we could accomplish that, it's amazing. I've had some of the, the most... Uh, you know, CPM religious, like believers in the world, I show them attack and I'm like, Ooh, that's a really good communication tool. Yes. Yes, it is. And there's way more. <laughs> so uh, the, the first thing that we started doing is we started helping teams have a communication tool of what the schedule was saying or what it needed to say. And that right there had a huge impact in what was happening on, out on the job site. The trade partners could visually see, oh, I get what we're doing now, and I see where I need to be, and I understand the flow, and I understand what everybody else is doing around me. If anyone that's listening is in construction and you could accomplish that on your job site, I guarantee you would pay money to do it. Yet, we can do this now, and right. for free, no software needed, and there's nothing holding us back except for our willingness to want that outcome. And everybody in construction wants that outcome. And then ultimately, it started catching on like fire, and then it became an initiative. The CEO of, of Oakland started calling the scheduling department because we were on the forefront of this. We started turning our, 
100% of our focus from P6. And we started including tact and lean and all these other things. And yes, we still had the contract language. We had to supply the P6. Right. But then we started using tact to dictate what the CPM was saying. So it was, okay, we want, we want this flow. This is now our master schedule. And if we need to provide this, this uh, report here, this CPM report, well, the schedulers just take that information, put it into P6 and give it to them to, uh, to be able to appease those, those uh, contract stipulations. That really is, is the first step for anybody that wants to start using TACT or Lean or any of these processes. Figure out the thing that will give you the most bang for your buck. And with TACT planning, it's communication. If you can increase that communication, just like what, what we talked about with the last planner system, that's increasing communication and collaboration. When you do that, only positives come out. So why not start to communicate in a way that will help everybody on the job site be able to see as a group, know as a group, and act as a group? Oh, amazing. And we've had Spencer, you know, just to fill in on the, from the owner's perspective, when jobs don't go well, and uh, a lot of construction projects don't go well, and they go to litigation at times, the number one root cause is failure to communicate, have effective communication, regular communication, communication is always at the core of jobs that struggle. And so like you're saying with tact and people will in the link, jump on the link, well, Spencer and the team at Elevate have put tons of pictures and examples. And Spencer even wrote a blog, we'll uh, put a link to the link construction blog article that you wrote about how to start using tact. And it's, it's quite simple. It's visual. It's beautiful. And you know what? We'll even throw in a Jason Schroeder, uh, Lean Builder blog, just for contrast, because- he has, some, he has quite a few of those, and those are really, yeah, really neat. There's some nice yeah. handwritten notes. I like the little people. Uh, and I like the, the coloring and the flow of Spencer stuff. And people, I am a user of the work that Spencer creates. And Spencer helped to take my thinking of tact to a whole new place. Because by the time that I met you, and we really- dove into this, uh, it was about a year ago, Spencer. I mean, you'd already had like how many years of practice with this, with, with teams? Probably three full years when we first met. Yeah. Three full years. And I mean, Spencer can do things in attack plan that I thought looked like magic. And then until <laughs> I, I got into a plan and I did one of the same things, I took a schedule based on listening to him share with me, take a schedule, put it into attacked format where it's just in the one page and then break an area up and you can do little experiments and tacked out an area based on the same sequence, changing batch size. And there's, there's math involved too, but even just taking a guess and I've taken weeks off of a schedule, giving crews more time, adding buffer and still finishing weeks and weeks ahead of schedule with the concepts that they have, which is super scrum friendly, of course, <laughs> and people, you won't know until you go through. So I highly recommend spending any time you can consuming anything that Spencer puts out and the, the YouTube channel that you guys put out is incredible too. Like I, I have the bell icon turned on. So I get every single video that drops and I watch every single video. Can you share a story about turning a job around and you can anonymize it, mm -hmm. you know, to protect the guilty and the innocent alike? Yes, we have, we have a, we have a project we talk about often. And this project uh, started getting behind and there was, uh, it was down here in Arizona and I was living in Utah at the time. And this was actually the reason why Oakland had me move to Arizona was because of this experience. So um, there, there, was a, there was 
problems in it and they, they couldn't figure out the team or actually the superintendent had this, this feeling inside. He's like, I feel like we're further off than what the schedule is showing us. Like this isn't right. And we've been through it. Like we've, we've, we've been through all the checks and it's telling us that it's healthy. We're, we're all good question mark, but something's not right. We have these other procurement issues and we're off by, you know, a matter of weeks. I think it was six weeks at the time or something like that. And um, I, I get a call from Jason Schroeder that I needed to get on a plane and go down and help get the schedule kind of, you know, a second set of eyes. There's big problems in it, but it wouldn't be flagged in any like CPM metric. And it's like, right. this, isn't, this isn't being built right. Like this isn't right. And there is no flow. So we set out, and if you go on, on our blog, we have one that's called critical path versus critical flow. And it's actually the visual of that. Oh, and um, we, we did a flow analysis of what the CPM was saying. And obviously there was no flow, but looking at it, you're like, yeah, this can't work. So what needs to happen? And so we did a contrast. Here's a tack plan. Here's what needs to happen. Here's the flow. And here is how we have to break up the building in order to hit that end date. So it was, what is the right batch sizing and getting those areas and the sequence all lined out so that we can hit it correctly and finish. And that project turned around. They started implementing lean, the huddle systems. They did like a kind of a quasi like last planner, not really last planner, but yeah. some of the aspects they were doing some pull plan, some like phase pull planning. And they had some weekly work planning type things in there. It was, it was this like Frankenstein that we helped to create, <laughs> but it really worked for that team. They took the things that they needed for, for that team, for that project, and they started implementing it. When I went down there the second time, they had those lean things in place. And the, the number one thing they started to do is they saw that if they wanted to keep that tack time or that rhythm, they need everybody to be able to move from area to area. And to do that, you can't just leave materials laying around. No. So they, they knew they needed to be hyper-focused on safety and cleanliness. So that's where they focused their time. It was the, at that point, it was the cleanest job I'd ever stepped foot on in my life. And I would tour projects as a living, as a kind of a scheduling manager, director type role. So in doing that uh, and seeing one of the, the cleanest job that I'd ever seen to that point in my entire career and being like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And it was from that first step into we need a better system. We need a better way. And so how do we get there if we're using tact? What do we need to do in order to do that? Well, we need safety. We need cleanliness. And so focusing on that helped to be able to see where the issues were. It wasn't just mountains of material and crap and trash everywhere. And every, like you'd go to this, this project and the trade, like there was a different feeling there. That was some of the outcomes of that project. They did finish on time. 30% of all the people that were on that team got raises. Uh, they got the next job awarded to them without any competition from mm -hmm. that customer. And, uh, and it, we, we started to do that type of recovery on other jobs, same outcome. It, well, it, not exactly because different teams are different, right? right? And they yes. use things differently, but it still had that same outcome. Project team, way better, raises, customer raving fans, like job site, super clean, super awesome, improving. And uh, there, there was this, this last project that I was really focused on right before I left. I believe you toured it. I'm going to say it because it's I out did. there a lot. Yes. The NIAC project. Yep. And um, shout out to, to that team. They really have that, that spirit of 
How do we improve? How do we do better? They're in that continuous improvement cycle because they started from that respect for people. They got into standard systems and flow and visualization. And once they had that foundation, that's where they're at now. They're in that continuous improvement cycle. And a lot of people start in the continuous improvement. That was me before I knew that, okay, why are we doing this? What do we need to start with? Having those standards and having that visual system in place is extremely important to be able to start doing that in continuous improvement. And that's why I love every time you see Felipe, he has that shirt that says, number one, respect people, then you can start continuous improvement. That's always uh, the step that needs to be taken. So in priority order, if anyone that's listening remembers back a few minutes ago, Felipe talked about uh, being able to, to, to do smaller batch sizes or give the trades more time and finish sooner. If anybody listened to that, had some skepticism in it, I invite you, come out, call BS, come see it and try it for yourself. And I guarantee you, it's going to work for you on your construction project. I've seen it in every single type of construction. It improves the process, decreases that schedule and allows us to be able to have a freaking work-life balance. And that's what we need in construction. Mic drop. Love you guys. Subscribe to the EBFC show because it is freaking awesome. <laughs> that was awesome, man. Thank you so much. Just in time, part two. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to part two with Spencer Easton. It was just so much tact and lean. We couldn't fit it into one little time box. We had to make it two time boxes. So Spencer, for the people picking it back up, you've already done your amazing introduction. Is there anything else you want to add just to remind people why we're still talking about tact? Uh, because it's the best. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing that I loved, and, and Felipe and I just recently were able to um, attend the first international tact forum that was put on by P2SL, uh, Iris Tomlin and all the people at UC Berkeley did an amazing job. They invited someone that um, I had met before, I think the 2018 or 19 LCI, Digby Christensen. So uh, he's with Sutter Health and I'm telling you what, like we need to like get that recording and blast it out there for folks because if there was a microphone drop about why we would need to talk about tact. He just did it in that tact forum. Like, oh my gosh, coming from what they're doing at Sutter and the, and the IPD and the great work they're doing for the for the Lincoln for construction and the Lincoln construction community, to hear him say the things that he said about CPM and the things that he said about lean and tact and like all this stuff was just like a, a like an ego, not an ego booster, but like a like it was like okay, yeah, we are headed down the right path because yeah. seeing how it actually applies not just like on the construction side, but from an owner perspective, that this is the only way to start improving and, and get that stability that we need and start going forward. He named got scrum and all, all, all the right stuff. So it's like, yes, it does work. It is working. I'm not just in an echo chamber. You're not just in an echo chamber. It is working yeah. everywhere that it is tried. So that's, that's it right there. There's one thing. That's There's it. one thing. And, and for people, <laughs> I took screenshots of parts of his presentation. We're going to get the recording. It won't be available inside of this podcast, but uh, you had to have gone to the first international project production laboratory, P2SL, Berkeley, California, TACT Forum with over 14 countries represented. Spencer, I will put in a screenshot uh, right here. I'll just put it over my face right now as I'm talking and show the map. I did a quick map in Mural of all the countries that were represented where TACT is happening on construction projects annually 
And so I have that. And uh, actually, you know what? I could bring that up right now while we're talking because I have the technology. That is so cool. And you can see like- I it's, muralized it. It is, it is spreading. And if you haven't used mural, if, if, you're, if you're just now turning into, tuning into Felipe, uh, you, <laughs> you might not have heard about mural yet, but mural, mural Miro, these, these types of softwares, right. if you're in construction, absolutely game changing, period. You need to check it out, a way to visualize your workflow, a way to organize stuff and really, really uh, uh, collaborate with your team. One of the best tools out there for construction, I would have to say. Hands down. Like even if you're co-located, it's still a great tool to show people things that you can just whiteboard like, and now they have infinity canvas yes. and mural. So these are from the P2SL and through my friends like Spencer, Jason, uh, these are all the places worldwide where TACT is happening. You got Australia, China, the three fingers here in Europe. You've got uh, different parts of Eastern Europe, Central Europe, Canada, United States, Mexico, Brazil. TACT is going big in Brazil, and Costa there's, Rica. There's a lot of people that are just barely starting to hear about it. I've heard from people from Belarus, from Belgium, from all the Middle East countries, like we get oh, yeah, Qatar. I've, I've been right. on calls with these people that are wanting to start their tech journey. So this is who's doing it now. And it is spreading even further into the far reaches of the world. Absolutely does work. So there it is. Or just watching us on YouTube. You can take a look at that visual. I think Digby might've said something like, if someone's trying to confuse me and they give me a, a more than a, a couple of pages CPM schedule, I know just to not even pay attention to it at all was one of the quotes that he said from you know, the owner yep. <laughs> from, from the, the owner direct people the owner said i yes. don't trust cpm schedules yes and he said and especially if the job is like three years long and your schedule is more than 80 pages i trust it less than nothing and so that's not that's not me saying it that's the client yep and once you show tact like i've had owners say fine like legitimate quote finally a contractor that can communicate to us a schedule that I can understand. I have been with companies where we've been awarded projects and they said, it's because of this schedule that I can see. I can see that you understand and you can make it simple so that I can understand. If you can have that type of communication with me, I can only imagine what your communication with your trades, all the foreman and how that is going to work. You guys are gonna win. If you wanna know what we're talking about, go to Lean Tact on YouTube. And we'll put the link in the show notes description so you can just one-click yourself there and consume the hours of content that I watch and I regularly watch. <laughs> Every week, I've got you in my ear talking to me about tech plans and buffer management and all these great things. And I'm using it every day at work. And so I want to say thank you, Spencer. And for anybody else, there's thank yous coming from people all over for the content that you guys are creating that's helping us transform how we communicate, how we manage, and how we just make things easier for everybody. I, I, I can't let you say that without mentioning my mentor who I work for and with now, uh, Senior Jason Schroeder. Uh, we, yep, we, we <laughs> found my book, the yep. TAC planning book together. He, Mr. Jason he, Schroeder. Yep, he introduced me to TAC planning. So your thanks to me is really a thanks to Captain Schroeder. He's, he's helping to change the construction industry. And um, it's funny though, I, I don't know if I've shared this story on a podcast before. 
the first time Jason, uh, when he showed up at uh, Oakland where we worked together, he was doing a, a presentation about tact planning. And I had read about stuff. I, I had read Adam Franson's thing on the, on the Lean Construction blog. I'd seen, you know, I, I'd done some research and I thought I knew about what it was. And he was talking about it in Excel and all this stuff. And being the P6 guru that I was back yeah. then, uh, I legitimately thought in my brain, this guy does not know what he's talking about. <laughs> and oh, how the turntables have turned. <laughs> and now I've all like left that career path. I've dropped all that. And it's like, okay, yeah. I felt like I had made it somewhere. And it's like, no, it's not helping anyone. If anything, it's hindering. This is a path forward. And we have to be willing to move with the times. If we don't, I mean, that's when companies, I mean, this is what happened to Blockbuster. This is what happened. This is what happened to all these old companies that didn't change with the times. If we're not willing to improve and change people, like the market is moving. And yes. for anyone out there that is working for a construction company with a construction company, if you're not moving your production system, your scheduling system, master schedules, uh, look ahead schedules, everything to tact in conjunction with if it's the last planner meeting framework or within the scrum framework and, and really looking forward and looking for those roadblocks with a scrum system you're not going to be able to compete with the rest of everyone else that's using tact. Oh, I've got some statistics for people. These are current numbers as of today that we gleaned from the international TAC form for industrial and manufacturing projects that are using tact. They are being delivered today, 70% faster than their CPM schedules for residential multifamily construction. They're being delivered today. 50% faster than the CPM schedule projects only. And for commercial construction today, and I think that's this is the new, the next wave, and this is why the number is different than the first two, they're being delivered 25% faster than CPM schedules only. And there are outliers that are beyond that. So think about that. The most gnarliest, complex industrial manufacturing construction project. I'm talking about the million square feet and larger, super like long process system MEPs that span for football fields. But being, Felipe, it's not, it's not cookie cutter. It won't work. Yeah, it's not cookie cutter. <laughs> Those non-cookie cutter projects are being delivered almost three times, three, three quarters faster in the, in three quarters of the time than a traditional CPM run project. Smooth, with buffers, happy people at the end that want to do the job again. And I've even heard people getting repeat work, repeat work yep. because of how they ran those projects. Even TAC done poorly will do better than CPM alone. That's when you know a system really works. Yes. Um, it's like with Scrum, like right. Scrum done poorly. <laughs> yes. And I'm more on that side. I'm doing scrum poorly. And yet it is a way better system to track my things that my list every single day is a scrum board. I know I've seen it. He's laser. Our he's company is me. ran off of scrum, which is kind yeah. of funny. <laughs> yeah. The whole company runs on scrum and their whole video production system runs on scrum. Their engagement. We did the book when we were, when we were writing the book, we tacked it. We had to. Yeah. You had to tack it. Yeah. When I, when I wrote my scrum book, Spencer, I scrummed this with, oh, my, I know for sure with you my team. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite part was when my editor was telling me that 
she got her teenager to scrum some schoolwork after. And the only exposure she had to scrum was just being the editor of my book. That's awesome. And it worked. Everything she said was like textbook. It was perfect. Like right from the scrum guide. I was like, oh my God. It's just, you know, it's just so easy for people to to get their arms around. Yeah. You'll remember when you and I went with Jason to uh, Germany. Yes, I do. Uh, when we met Marco Binder in person, he had a couple examples that he showed in his presentation. And he talked about a specific project. I don't know if you caught into like me asking a lot of questions about that specific project, but it was a uh, multi-use type project. And I asked him about, wait, how many number of units? How big is the square footage? What was the outside? Like I started asking all these questions. I had finished a project of actually a couple projects just like that up in Utah. This is an apples to apples situation yeah. here. I know it's a different country. I know like... A lot of different things, but it, that's the same building. It's the same building, same size, parking yep. structure below, PT deck, and then and wood framing from there. It's like, no, 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 this is the same. And it's, okay. So I asked him a ton of these questions. Like, okay, how long did it take? And he had yep. it on his yep. presentation. It was just under six months to build that building. Same exact building in the United States, in Utah, over 15 months. Uh, was that has I, it been I, a year yet? Has it been? No, it, it hasn't has been not, a year. It has not been a year yet. That's not even I, a year. From that moment, it's yeah. like, I'm done. Like, I no, stop it. Like, there's no freaking way. I Like, my brain couldn't even, like, fathom. It's like, yeah. how could you physically do that? And he even said, it goes like, back to all the principles, yeah. right? And he showed me, and it's like a one-day tax. I was like, dang it. And then, and like, he said, he, and, yeah, it yeah going through it, it, it's like, this is what is possible. This is what right. we are leaving on the table. That is the waste. We all talk about like the eight wastes. And it's like the biggest waste is how we manage our jobs, period. How we communicate and how we can see and visualize flow, period. That's why Toyota and all, the, all these people, they started with, we need to get the, the, the production flowing. We needed to flow where we can and pull when we can't. That's right. it. Start with tact, like you guys say. Start with tact. Start with then, tact. Then use pull systems like Scrum and Last Planner system. It's just like when it's like when we were on the shop when we were on the production floor at at uh, at BMW. Yeah. When we walked on the on the floor, you remember all the all the systems that you could see. Here was their inventory, and it would come yeah. in. When we were standing <laughs> on that conveyor belt where the cars were above, yeah. right, and we saw all of the all of the um, materials coming in that tacted or that flow of the production. The, right. the actual conveyor belt, that's the flow and all the materials coming to it were on that, that pull system of here's when it needs to happen and we pull backwards. That, so it's flow with pull um, supporting it. That is the system. That is, that's the lean manufacturing system. And it's a big thing that we're missing in the, in the, in the lean construction um, community that we need to focus on flow and pull things to that flow or from that flow. Exactly. I told people like we have to start shifting our language to thinking in terms of critical flow and not yes. critical path. Yes. Critical path is the path to a crash landing. Critical flow is the path to enabling things to occur and for people to get into a rhythm that is sustainable and also beneficial to all parties involved. When we did the breakouts in the TAC forum, the big thing that they're looking at isn't necessarily flow. It's making sure that everything was, uh, it was that kind of like that standard and repeatability. Like if, if things, um, if you're doing that same thing over and over again, you might look at like such a big area, like there's nothing that's repeatable here. It's like, yeah, but 
you have wall here, wall here, wall here, wall there. You have four walls. Could it be four areas? Could it be every 500 feet? And that that's the thing that blew me away is, yeah. as we start to look at this. Is there a way to think differently how we actually break up the spaces? Like Iris was talking about with the work density. Like there was so yeah. much good stuff in that in that conference. Yes. Especially that's like cutting edge, that like heat map stuff. I don't know if you saw oh, Iris yeah. Tomlin's uh, thing on the on the second day like mind-blowing like yes that is a, that's a perfect tool for understanding how to actually level that production and come up with what the area what the areas should be because little law little's law might tell us the number of areas but the work density mapping that she has been doing out of uc berkeley that's how we know where the where the actual lines should be and it's like woohoo, we're, we're we're on our way like we're answering these questions the things that the things that we have, you know, that are, they're holding us back, it's improving and the engine is going. So it's super, it's a super exciting time to be in construction. You're on your way to oh. a four hour, a sustainable four hour tact is possible. We saw multiple examples of that. And on those, I noticed that the smaller tact times people were looking at that work density. That was the big differentiator. It's the key. It's the key. Yep. yep. Super critical. And uh, yeah, even talking to Marco today, he was saying that he's like the way that, that I approach tact, the way he's the same way that Spencer and Jason approach it and Janusz, it's like, it's an agile way. It's not just a programmatic. He's like, you have to have standards, but then there's an agile way to come at it so that you're adapting and changing and then looking at the parameters to see, checking these different things like Little's Law, like you said, are we including buffers for when we do encounter variation? Because you're still going to have variation. And he said, instead of telling people like, take care of this, this is one nugget that he dropped today, Spencer. He said, instead of telling people fix this thing in like two days or three days, he's like, fix this thing in one or two tax. He's like, start talking to people in tax cycle. And then looking at if we finish this change in attacked and everyone stays intact, then you can scale that change through the entire project in seconds, seconds. Yeah. Because if you if you had a problem in your planning, what do you do? Do you replan the whole thing, or what's the most stable thing? If you could do that fix in that area and apply that to every single tack time. Now we have we know we're going to have that issue, but we fix it in the next tact and we do that in every single area. Now you know what to do on the rest of the project. We don't have to talk about when things happen. Yeah, we talk about how to make them happen. Just like, do you remember when we did the the simulation? We run around, around like chickens with their heads cut off, and yes. then Janosh was like. Okay, let's really do this. This was the thing that caught, like, I like it seared into my brain from, from you. You said, I've never, ever seen an improvement when communication drops. And it wasn't that we weren't communicating, is we, our system was so highly communication, that was what we were doing. But with a little bit of that standardization, a little bit of that production law in there, we didn't have to have so many, so much conversation. We had conversation, but we had the right conversations, right? right? So it wasn't like even our conversations, we can have, we'd be talking about things that are wasteful, right? right? And so really dialing that into what is the value adding communication that we need to have? What's the value add collaboration that we need to be doing? This is, this is the way. This, this is, is the way. problem, right? <laughs> this is no problem, Spencer. Yeah. We need to bring more of the, those quotes back in. This is no problem. This is no problem. <laughs> oh, you're... You're on a CPM schedule and you're three quarters of the way through and you think you can't start doing tact. This is no problem. You can start doing tact even on that. <laughs> and and we have we have to be careful, but it cannot become a religion. Like right. yeah. we do need to have standards, we do need to have processes, 
But that's what got us to where we're at today is that we went too far into you have to do it this way, period. Tact is working for what we need now. And in the future, if we find something better, this tool is going to go on the shelf, period. And that's how we should all look at it. Our processes help us to do the thing that we're setting out to do, build the building, you know, build the road, whatever that thing is. And if it doesn't, if, if we can find a better way that serves us in the future, then this tool, thank you. It's like the Marie Kondo thing. Thank you for serving me for what you've done. You're going on the shelf. We, you know, if we find a case where you become, you know, more helpful again, we will use you on, we go to better, greener pastures. And that is where we're at with CPM. We are taking that CPM thing and we're saying, thank you for being with us. And we're putting you on the shelf and goodbye. And we'll miss you CPM for a second. <laughs> Some of us more than others. Yeah. And, I'll miss um, being yelled at for, yeah. you know, like why this area is available and people just aren't bum rushing it because you can. Because <laughs> you're on a cost loaded CPM schedule and it just tells you to flood the job with more people, even though it like chokes your throughput down. There's so many And everyone starts yelling at each other because, like, well, it's his fault because I need this one little pipe, you know, moved yeah. in this area so I can get in there and do that work. And then Spencer, the other guy's I, yelling at the other guy, right? And it just I had that same fight. Same conversation with a friend of mine. He was like fanatical about lean, like the original lean, like Toyota production system lean, just fanatical. And I told him, I said, that's something that has been like developed over 25 years, become a system, had 50 years of being incubated in a company. Researchers studied it for two decades. Books have been published on it. And then people still telephone game it. And I said, when something else comes along that it, that builds on it and iterates and evolves like a framework or something that serves you, you have to be able to let things go that don't serve and pull in the things that do. Yeah. And so that's like, that's a famous martial arts saying too, from Miyamoto Musashi. He said, do nothing that is of no value. Ooh. It's true for martial arts and it's true for the, the work we do and just engagements with, even with families and just having a good full and fulfilling life. Like don't do things that are of no value and you decide it's subjective. It's even like people I've gotten into arguments, Spencer, as you know, I sometimes get into debates online with people. Jason and I talked about this for a long time. People would say like, you're not doing last plan or right. And they would like challenge like the way that you do it. And, and if you, if they didn't see you doing it, like textbook from the 1995 paper, was there a textbook? There was, there was like, there was a paper published at one time. It was like 200 pages long, Spencer. And people said, if you weren't doing it like that way, then you weren't doing it and you're doing something else. And I said, that was over 20 years ago. And I said, let me ask you this. What type of results do you get with your last plan implementation, your textbook implementation? Are you improving your milestones every single month? Because I am. The teams that we do this with, we do. Do you do that? Is the system giving you the, what you think it should be giving you? Just like tact. Tact is a great system because you know very quickly if something gets off attacked and you know if you start to eat into buffers or if you got to stop the trains, it becomes right. super obvious. And so that's why I think people don't get so hung up on and I'm, I'm the same way with people that do scrum. Like I'd rather you try and get into these habits of, of these nuanced, different things and learn and give your, and be patient with yourself. And especially with tact, because a lot of, there's a lot of written on tact and there's, volumes written on line of balance, right? Volumes and volumes, but people try it out. And then if things don't work, try to understand like, why didn't it work for you? Was it your understanding of it? Was it the environment? 
Was there some other condition? Right. And then don't stop trying. Don't stop experimenting. Don't stop learning. Like Spencer went from CPM hero to tact hero in the span of like what a year. Spencer is a perfect example. He was like drinking the CPM Kool-Aid. That was his full-time job. He was suspicious of it, but he was, he wasn't like he was telling Oakland not to pay me for, you know, for, for doing that stuff. And then he learned something new, had direct experiences, experimented, learned, cycled back again, learned more, tried more things, read, even read research papers. He even helped to write a book about it, (laughs) tested more things, taught people. Teaching people is a great way to learn. And Spencer is a natural teacher. You help to teach me to how to teach. <laughs> and he teaches well. He's, he's teachable too. He's, te- he's teachable and he teaches. Spencer and I want to encourage everybody listening. Like, don't just look at us and, and think like, oh, but they've got whatever years at this. Like, we were exactly where you were right now at, at some point. Like, I didn't grow up knowing what Scrum was. I certainly didn't grow up learning what TAC was. I learned TAC years ago. And it wasn't until I started mixing in with Jason and Spencer and then Marco and Janusz. And then in that swirl, like really radically changing how I saw tact, but the tact that they do is not the tact of textbooks from five years ago. It is a living, breathing, evolving thing right now. We have a free template on, on the website. I'm not just trying to push people to the website, but to, to showcase what Felipe is talking about, we have a new version of the template probably every one to two months. So we're, we're not, we're, this is not a dumb thing that we're saying, go, it's a living concept that is like Felipe saying changing. It's just improving just like what Felipe did with the last planner system during, you know, and continues to do and what he's doing with scrum, everything should be improving. And if it's not, and it's hit a dead end, is it really something that we should, we should be right. attached to? Don't get so attached I, to it, people. Yeah. The stuff that Spencer's talking about, all these free resources are there for you so that you can get your hands dirty experimenting. And Spencer, I'll just share with you. I mean, something that you had a conversation with me in the, in the, in the tightly squeezed car as we're traveling down the Autobahn. And then that led me to think more simply about how easy it is to implement tact. And I did a napkin sketch tact planned with, uh, a person running virtual design and construction coordination efforts for an 11 story project. And I don't, unfortunately I lost the napkin sketch. I know I'm like devastated, <laughs> but I have, luckily I kept doing other things, but I just got a text message and I'm going to read it to you Ooh. right now, live. This text message came yesterday uh, from my buddy and I'm, and for purposes of protecting the guilty and the innocent, I'm going to let this be anonymous. I got a message and uh, he said, he's, been having a long week. He's working. He's probably working too much. He says, not doing scrum well enough because he's still working too many hours, but he's going to fix that. He just said, good morning, Felipe. I saw your LinkedIn post that uh, you started working a new job. Congratulations. I just wanted to give you an update on the coordination tag plan. He's got like all this like confetti popping. So people, if you've never been with me, I pop a lot of confetti on mural. <laughs> so he started telling me, he's like, yeah, he just said uh, eight to nine months uh, emoji with the smiley face with the, the glasses. And I was like, he's like, it really is not 
like good tact, like how it could be, like you talked about, but it's more of a scrum style with tact. And I said, eight to nine months, like your coordination is going to take eight to nine months. So rewind 11 story, the coordination per the CPM schedule was 12 months, 12 months. And he said that the feeling from the coordinators, the people from the mechanical contractor, the electrical contractor, structural steel, and a couple of the others, they said that the 12 months was too aggressive for coordination people. I want you to listen to this. The detailer said that 12 months was too aggressive. Okay. Now you got, you got that Spencer. And then he sends me this thing. He's like eight to nine months, smiley face emoji. I'm thinking, okay, they got it down to nine months. I'm like, that's not what we talked about. When we tacked to this thing, it was like four months. We took a 12 month coordination schedule and got it down to four months. And we gave the detail, each detailer got more time than what the original CPM showed. And this is what he said. He's like, oh, he's like, I'm so sorry. He's like, I've been presenting on uh, on this coordination for the last four hours straight. He's like, the schedule is going to be nine months faster. Total. <laughs> like nine it's not months faster. Coordination, it's yeah. nine months so faster. <laughs> let's do the math. So 12 minus nine, nine, 10, 11, 12. That's a three month tacted coordination schedule, not 12. He's, and he told me, he's like, we were able to order the steel sooner thank you. He's like, I owe you a dinner. <laughs> Technically, so just, whoever that is, and you know who you are, you owe Felipe a lot more than that. He's already, <laughs> he are, when, when we cut the schedule in half, he already like took me out to lunch and we had a great, super amazing lunch, which was awesome. So thank you. He knows who he is. He does listen to the show. And I just want to, I mean, like he had a he had to go do it Spencer like I showed him the way and it was literally just a napkin sketch it was like a piece of scrap paper that we found in a conference room that was like this big and we just drew the building we drew the floors and we weren't even like geniuses Spencer we just cut the building in half and we just did two floors up because there was enough symmetry across the center corridor that it made sense just for a symmetrical point of view, not because I was a genius and looked at the, the parameters and did the calculus to figure out which one, if we, if we could get better, I was like, let's just make this a little bit better. Right. And when we tacked it, it ended up being, it looked like a six month schedule. And I even was like, well, let me count this right again. Cause I told him, it's like, sometimes I'm sleep deprived because I travel and I cross time zones and he's really good at math. I was like, check me, check my math on this. Is this right? He's like, no, you messed up. He's like, it's four months. <laughs> and so the schedule reduced down to four months. And now he's telling me it's likely going to be three months. They're going to be finished. And what, are the like, detail, what, what are the detailers saying now? That's the, that's the real question. Yeah. And uh, when they do this, if they're smart, they'll inherit that system into their workflow now, yes. right? Going right. forward and not just with that project, but start doing it everywhere. From now on. Yeah. yeah. There's a point too, Spencer, in the, the scrum training that we do, we show... There's this concept of swarming, and this is a free uh, scrum pattern. I'll put a link in the show notes to this pattern because people can access this online. When you have this, uh, like a three-step process and three different projects, people tend to be overly optimistic and say, like, if I ask you, like, how long are these projects going to take? You answer as a human being, you'll answer assuming that you'll have no interruptions or variation. Right. And so you'll give some duration. And then when people actually work on it, you know, they'll do a little bit of the first thing. Then, a, then they switch and do a little bit of the second thing. Then they switch again, do a little bit of the third thing and they keep switching. And the thing ends up taking delivering like over a year. And then they, if they just would swarm and do all of the first thing and finish it completely and hand that off and then do all of the second thing 
and then all of the third, it's more than twice as fast. And I said, that's what TAC does too, because TAC gets it down to like an increment of work package that makes and sense. Then move on. Yeah. And then move on. Exactly. Instead of doing like 10,000 linear feet of hallway and then saying to everybody, all right, it's all yours now. And the people behind them don't have like the 60 person crew that some of these framing companies have. And now you just have like this mile of hallway that three workers are struggling to get any kind of progress on. And then you find out there's a mistake in some of the layout. And now you've got 10 miles worth of mistakes to fix. Had you just made it small, you could have been quality checking as you go. Like Jason always says, finish as you go. Mm -hmm. And I love how you guys teach in your TAC master training. You tell people to bring in your quality checks into each wagon or at a minimum, the last wagon before you leave a tacked area. And I think that's just genius. You're setting everybody, you're setting them up, Spencer, so that they have to succeed. And like, if everybody can succeed through an area, there'll be no back charges. There'll be no fist, no more fist fights at work. So people, if you, if you don't know this about construction, sometimes there's fist fights because of trade damage. I'm not making this up. No, it's, it's serious. This is a real thing that, that happens sometimes. And it's just because of the pressure that people are under and the work that they have to do. And so systems like what Spencer's using and, and helping people learn, and of course, Jason and the, and the thousands of others that are doing this now, you're making it so people actually have fun coming to work. Like when they say you're going to have fun coming to work, like he's not joking. You will absolutely have fun. It'll be pleasurable and enjoyable. If anybody has been like listening to Felipe, uh, he said something earlier, the, tra- the trades or the detailers, like you, they get more time and you finish exponentially faster. It's the win, 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 win. Some like when I, when I first saw that, I was like, baloney, bogus. Yeah. And I had yeah. already started using tactics. Like, wait, what? Yeah. And they can have more time and you finish like way faster. These are the production laws and not everybody that is using tact is doing this because they're, I mean, it's all an iterative process. Like Felipe mm-hmm. said, a lot of people start with line of balance and just location-based scheduling. Right. And that improves the process. And then a lot of people go to the way more uh, stable, a lot better visualization of tact and just having a macro tact plan. And then you start getting into, okay, let's do work packaging. Let's do uh, uh, production leveling. Let's use Little's Law. Let's understand what Kingman's formula is. All these different things. And then it just becomes like almost, almost a guarantee that you will win. And if you're guaranteed to win, the stress is gone. Um, And that's that's what Felipe is talking about. It becomes fun because the stress, everyone knows construction equals stress. That is gone. Like it's gone. And that's what makes it fun. It's not fun. Like it's stressful. It, it sucks, but that is our past. And it is sucked up into this point and going forward. It's not going to anymore because now we have found the way out. We know the med it is, there is a magic key, but it's not magic. It's just math. That's the crazy thing. We've been doing the wrong math this whole time, figuring out how bad we can suck until it's going to fail, right? <laughs> Focusing on that. Like that is the wrong math. Yes, that's math. And it's, you know, basic algebra, but it like, it's the wrong algebra. Right. The production laws, though, like the actual like laws, like that was a made up thing. This is something that has been studied and figured out and it works, not just in construction. It, it globally works wherever it is applied. 
because it's based in production and flow. And that's what we do. We produce things. We're building a building. We're building a road. That's what we're doing. Reach out to us. Like there's, and it's not just us. There's tons, there's tons of resources. I'm actually super jealous of like all the people that are coming up right now. There are tons of resources <laughs> I know. books out there. When I first no. learned about Lean, I had to read it in a book that was like already 10 years old. There wasn't didn't anything. have a single picture. In it. Yep. And like any of the videos I use now, like they've all been developed for the most part in the last three years. Yeah. Like I even use some videos from the Lean Enterprise Institute and they're not that old. They're like relatively in the last couple of years, they've only existed. It's catching fire. Yeah, it's catching fire. An engineering manager called me from a, a plumbing contractor this week. And he said, uh, he's telling me the story. He's like, I've read your book. He's like, it makes sense. He's like, but I don't think we can apply this. He's like, we're just working like all this time. And when you came and you talked and you shared your story about, you know, how much you worked. And I said, it's okay, man. You're in a, an environment in the system that's abusive. It's an abusive system. He's like, yeah. He's like, when I get done talking to you now, he's like, I got to do like 10 more things before tonight. And I'm not going to see my family until late. And I've got a a four month old kid. And I said, that's wrong, but that's the system that you're in. I said, but good news, we can change your system. And I said, there's things that you can do where you don't have to ask for permission. And I said, you're the manager of this group, right? He's like, yeah. I was like, you got four people working for you. You control what meetings your team goes to. What is a meeting that people on your team dislike? And he described one of their meetings. And, and so I gave him like two things to change and I said, you could just pick one of those two and that'll make a fix. And so he picked, he picked one that was like super easy. He's like, I'm sending this email right now and telling the team that we're making this change. And I said, now you've just increased your team's capacity by just changing the, just changing one thing in your system that you can control. You've now had a ripple effect for four people. You made it better for you and for three other people. And that's only just one thing. I was like, next week. You can do the second thing. And then the week after that, you can decide like, what would you want to do next? And I said, now you're on this path where you're changing your system little by little every week. I said, six months from now, we're not going to even recognize what kind of work that they're in because of the path that you're now shifted on. He's like, I honestly feel better. He's like, I felt terrible all week, all last week, the last six months, the last year, the last three years. Now I feel hopeful. And he's like, I didn't realize how much control I actually have. And I said, yeah, it's like Spencer and Jason say. Subtle tact control. <laughs> it's just a pause and a reflection where you just look with all of your senses to see what is actually the current state. What can I change to make this better? And then make that change. Not make a list of change, not create a database to track all your changes. That is not useful, beneficial, or helpful, but to make meaningful changes that will change the system that you work in so that you will have the experience that Spencer has every day. And affect the people around you for good. Yeah. That's what it should be about. We want it, we want, we want to use these systems just because we want to work in a place where all that stress is gone. So we don't have all the issues like we talked about in the last one. And that's it. Mike Mike drop. Drop. Very special thanks to my guest. I'm Felipe Engineer Manriquez. The EBFC show is created by Felipe and produced by a passion to build easier and better. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, everybody. Let's go build.